jellyfish version of him. My name is Matthew Kroll. Surprise! It's me, Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Invisible Man. Matt, where are you? Invisible man, invisible man, once was visible, now he ain't, now it is the invisible man, invisible man. Invisible man. (laughs) Do you remember the Queen song? I'm the invisible man. Uh, I'm the invisible man. Uh, Incredible how you can uh, see right through me. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. This has been the only podcast about the invisible man. Thank you. Yeah. Please like, subscribe, click, smash the like button, (laughs) ring the bell. Um, Subscribe to our Patreon for our voice album. Ding, ding, (laughs) ding. Go the trolley. I don't know. Shahir. How are you? Uh, surviving the pandemic? How are you? I am pandemic surviving. What? Yeah. Oh, you're just a, just an inversion. Listen, I'm right. a survivor. I'm yeah. not going to give up. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to work harder. So it's been an interesting week this week uh, because uh, of a couple of things that I thought we should maybe just have, have a co- quick conversation about. But there was an interesting point that you com- thing that happened with you and I this week. What happened? Which is that... Um, uh, a friend of the show, someone whom I trust, uh, uh, dropped by and said, hey, you guys should do an episode about Contagion. Yes. The Steven Soderbergh 2012 uh-huh. movie, I want to say, um, which I haven't seen in forever. But the I point, haven't seen it in a long the time. The point was, hey, you should you should jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, capitalize on the outbreak. Capitalize on the outbreak. Or we could have done the movie Outbreak, the Dustin Hoffman movie. I or think- we could have done The Happening. Or we could have done Cabin Fever. Or we could have, I mean, there's a tons, of, there's tons, tons of disease of, yeah, movies. Disease movies. Yeah, we could do a whole episode about disease movies. But you were slightly uncomfortable with the idea, and, I'm, and not, not unrightly so. Right. I mean, yeah. I just I don't think. And again, it's not like with all the money we make on here. Yeah. Uh, but I just was like, I mean, you know, I don't think. Mm-hmm. To be fair, even if it got us clicks or views or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I think the news is already so saturated with just um, unabashed terror yeah. that uh, I think people that are listening to podcasts right now are kind of trying to do it a little bit for an escape. So I'd like to talk about, but more so than that, for instance, uh, a, a suit of weird-looking eyeball armor that makes you not be able to be seen. Spoiler alert. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, so I, I didn't feel I didn't feel the need. Um, I, I and I it felt a little it felt a little it made you feel a little weird a little weird about it. I, and, and look, the, the, I know that there's lots of people that are doing it. Um, but I think the people that I respect that are doing things that are tying themselves into this sort of uh, news cycle, let's mm-hmm. call it, um, are people that are offering avid solutions. So, for instance, um, uh, Robert Rath, who mm-hmm. is the writer for Extra History, uh, he came to me and he said, "Hey, uh, you know, I live in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, yeah. there's a lot going on here." Um, I'd love to do a, a we do a thing, things called lives about our series where like we'll go on and Rob will talk in front of the camera as opposed to being animated to like cover what we got wrong with like Joan of Arc or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I'd like to do an extra lives episode about living in Hong Kong and the coronavirus. And my experience with it, he's not a doctor or anything, yeah. but um, the, the the panic he's seen, the calmness he's seen, etc. And he did that, and then we offered sort of like his take and what he was thinking about the thing. Uh, it was it was actionable. Yeah. It was a lot of common sense stuff, but a lot of sort of good information and not told in a salacious way. I, I feel like uh, with with what we do, uh, there's not <laughs> a lot of... all about the salation? Well, there's not a lot of space for that. And I, <laughs> I, I just thought that... Um, really? I think there's... Well, I think that there's more... I, again, I go back to, if we don't have anything like helpful to add... Mm. I would rather have let people have an escape because I feel like that is helpful. Right. It's helpful to the sort of mental... St- I mean, I, the news cycle right now, even outside of coronavirus with yeah. the Democratic uh, nominations, yeah. is insane. Yeah. Uh, also, 
uh, Trump's getting a pass on a lot of shit <laughs> because everyone's paying attention to a virus and the Democrats. Right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, with all that said, that's kind of why I think I wanted to steer a little clear. I wanted to go still uh, do do movie movies. Wanted to talk about current cinematic events. Um, I I I would be you know to be honest with you, I think I would be interested to revisit Contagion because I think I'd I'd read about uh, Scott Burns, the writer. I think it was Scott Burns. He talked about the fact that. He was surprised at how much the the actual pandemic, as it's playing out right now, with the you know the outbreak of Corona One virus, is similar to what he'd written about Contagion, um, and and how it plays out in terms of a political. Uh, it's not just a, the actual viral outbreak; it's the political and economic uh, uh, ramifications of it. And I think, I think. Uh, it's interesting to see how cinema reflects these things. And, I mean, I also think it's interesting. This is no slight to. I, I, I 100% believe that that's what he said and believed. But at the same time, that's kind of like, I don't know, go, uh, <laughs> be like, oh, we got this thing right. Watch my movie. Like, which is fine. Which is fine. Right. It's just, uh, I mean, the things he's getting right are things that, you know, uh, I mean, hell, the the thing that happened in World of Warcraft predicted the uh, like all of this stuff too. Like the, have you heard about that thing, the epidemiology? Basically, there was a blood plague in World of Warcraft that actual um, uh, disease uh, and pandemic scientists have been using as a test model because people basically it was a it was a buff that happened at the end of a raid that was supposed to be cleared when you got out. Mm. And then it didn't for it, it didn't get off of their pets and then pets would infect people in towns and then towns would just people would just be corpses. Like and you have to respawn corpse, respawn corpse because they couldn't contain this virus. And then people reacted the way that people had throughout history and now people use that as a solid model for how it can take like it's it's very interesting. I'm not doing it justice. Right. Um long story short, I think um but so you would say that those people were just, you know, if they said, oh, you know, it's amazing how this, uh, how this reflects uh, the virus that we're doing today. They're just trying it's to a, sell It's something. an interesting point, but also it could be that. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 I'm I, so I, cynical about the news cycle yeah, in general. That's, that's what I'm It's hearing. hard to do. It's yeah. hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to manifest. And we've already spent, uh, uh, I mean, again, listeners, email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Would you like us to do disease movies? <laughs> would that make you feel better? Uh <laughs> It's 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 a it's a weird balance because we do want to do what people would like us to do. There's no yeah. question. Except let's think. I'm trying to think of an exception. What what will we never do? What's our meatloaf movie? Oh, uh, there is a movie. Uh, we would do anything for listens, but, but we no, won't we review do. that. Oh, what what is would the it name be? Of the movie. I forgot. There is a movie I remember from years ago, and it's about it's a it's a it's a very. A uh, gross-sounding movie about a man who's invited to like be part of a pornographic film and he has to do terrible things. Uh, I can't remember what the title is called, but I remember I was reading a synopsis of it and I was like, I don't need this in my life. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Um, I can't. Well, it'll come. It'll come to me at some point. Uh, <laughs> and listeners will probably know what it is. You could write us in it. Uh, on We've said it before. I, it has a thing. I, I, I have a. I, I've, of I'm, I'm just going blank on the name as I tend to do. But I, I, I think uh, yeah. If you're interested, uh, and maybe that would be a topic. You know, depending on how the pen pandemic plays out. Oh god. Uh, um uh, it might be an interesting uh interesting thing for us to uh, to do. I certainly actually would kind of want to revisit Contagion right now myself personally. Zoe hoard the face masks. Uh yeah. I uh, hope you have enough Jesus. hand sanitizer at home. Um, yeah, cuz it's going for like 40 bucks on Amazon or some it shit. Really? It's insane. Oh, wow. People are dumb. <laughs> Holy shit. And that's so that's what this now that we're on the topic, that's what gets me. Right. How 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 the panic culture of everything right. uh, makes everything worse. 
and it makes me sad. And that's why I want to do podcasts about things that are not that. Okay. Well, uh, just to stay on that topic for just half a second, <gasps> I want to just talk uh, briefly about the fact that No Time to Die, uh, the new James Bond film, has pushed its release date from April 10th through to November 25th. Uh, MGM Universal and Bond producers Michael J. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli announced today that after careful consideration and thorough evaluation of the global theatrical marketplace, the release of No Time to Die will be postponed until November 2020. Um, this is not the first thing to have been changed. At least uh, that one is canonical with the name no t- yeah there's more time to die now there's yeah, <laughs> yeah there's now th- but what's no time to die you're gonna do it later okay we're doing it later uh but other things that are you know like being affected by the coronavirus uh fears of coronavirus uh the shanghai disneyland has closed the hong kong disneyland theme park is closed mulan's chinese release date is delayed indefinitely and uh jiang Zhangqi uh says that he's delaying production of his next film indefinitely also i believe Mission Impossible has shut down production uh, for a few for similar reasons as well. So okay, interesting how this is gonna this is gonna affect the the landscape of of just the Hollywood block, you know of going to the movies in general I think are going to be affected uh, over the next few weeks uh, we've already seen uh, uh, an incredible downspin on the the Nasdaq um, so it'd be really interesting to see how this all plays out. That said, um, uh, the Invisible Man. It, we which, went which, and saw it. Which when, might be the case of movie theaters at this point. There listen, might be a lot of invisible men and women at the movie theaters. We had a full theater of invisible people. Yeah, it was uh, when we saw. When I sat on one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's their fault for being invisible. Right. Um, no. They could. They can that that it's a suit. No one's naturally invisible. They might have been like, like they might have been like, well, this is my movie, so it's your fault for not knowing that. Maybe I, that or I they could it. be the 1933 version mm. of the Invisible Man and mm. and be have a chemical reaction or something. A mad scientist and they can't turn visible. Well, no, but they also wore the little, you know, they wore yeah, the they were at least bandages polite. so yeah. that we would know. And actually, in the time of the coronavirus, that would be. Ba- I mean, you although he probably couldn't even get those bandages. Oh, right now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's just in... Anyway, we didn't have a lot of people in our theater. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a shame, because yeah. I, I actually really dug what this film was gonna was about and was doing. And I think it's an interesting case study in terms of uh, franchising in, in odd respects. Well, yeah. First, before we get into the the dark universe in the room, uh, had you... When's the last time you watched the original 1933 uh, Invisible Man? Oh, uh, it's, it has definitely been a long time ago. Uh, the Jack James Whale film. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I, I hadn't seen it in forever. Right. And I started watching clips. You can get like 10 clips of it on YouTube, like the right. famous one where he unwraps it and yeah, like yeah. all that stuff. It's amazing technically. It's a br- it's an incredible oh, yeah. piece of technical filmmaking. It's there's nice, there's yeah. like a scene of him like skipping down the road yeah. in like just pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, do you recall from uh, Marriage Story, Adam Driver dresses up as him in, a, yes. in, in the film. So it's kind of, I, I remember that prompted me to look at some clips of that film because Adam Driver does a really weird like thing with his body where he's moving up and down. And I was like, what is that from? So I remember looking up that clip uh, when Marriage Story came out. Well, the, the 1933 uh, Invisible Man uh, is very, uh, at least in, in, in vocal tonality, uh, very much like, like the Cesar Romero Joker. Hmm. Like he's very like, oh, you want to see this? <laughs> and you're like, wow, dude. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like manic laughter. Oh, he's a yeah. I mean, this is the interesting thing about the Invisible Man conceptually, you know, as part of the 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 Universal's bag of monsters. You know, like so there's Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, the Wolf Man, Creature he's, from the Black Lagoon. Creature, was Creature from the Black Lagoon part yep. of that? Yep. Of that. Uh, yep. Uh, package. Um, the Invisible Man is kind of an interesting one because uh, he 
uh, as it will always classically be, is just a guy who has inherited this power and it makes him mad, right? It kind of it guess makes he, him crazy. You it, would, and I think you would go crazy, <laughs> go a little nuts if you couldn't. Well, actually, this actually is very interesting. I, I the the characters in this movie, I think, are the, the Invisible Man in particular. We'll get into a little bit the more. Twenty twenty or the, the twenty twenty. Yeah. Um. He he is a, a sociopath in his own right that then happens to be able to turn invisible due to things. Mm. Um. But also, I do think. The ability, whether it is voluntary or not, to turn invisible would drive any person insane. Um, because of long exposure? Or because what are we because about when you turn invisible, there's the classic question of the moral question of would you rather have the ability to fly yeah. or the ability to turn invisible. And there's a, there's a few psychologists and a couple other things that say, like, well, anyone that picks invisibility is a more naturally selfish person and someone who picks flight is not. Now, I don't fully buy into that because yeah. you could find selfish reasons for both of those things. But there's no, I will say this, outside of like acting for a righteous cause you believe in, <laughs> there is no altruistic use for being invisible. Hmm. What does the superpower of invisibility gain you other than the classic being able to sneak into the ladies' locker room? But like that <laughs> as a as a microcosm, right? You, the, the being invisible allows you to do things that a member of society is not supposed to be able to do. You are able to bypass societal rules and norms, which in inevitably means breaking laws, which inevitably means kind of hurting people. Well, it 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 uh, it's analogous to to being uh, like the analogy in my brain is surveillance. Like it allows you the power of surveillance. Right, like you are, you're liable to you're at, able at to spy least. spy yeah. on people, yeah. without detection. Yeah, um, I think, and I think this movie actually, in a 2020 environment, uh, kind of shows uh, a lot of creative ways that a person could use that to damage people. And we should get into. There's a specific difference between this and the H.G. Wells original yes. story. And of course, you know, like I, I did. Uh, I do enjoy me some invisible preprol stories because um, <laughs> I was thinking about um, uh, the Kevin Bacon film, uh, Paul Verhoeven's movie Hollow Man. Oh, Hollow Man, yeah, which uh, which is very, very creepy. Hollow <laughs> Man meets Invisible Man. They have a fight. Invisible wins. Invisible Man. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but Hollow Man was very, very creepy in that Paul Verhoeven sort of 80s, kind, oh, early 90s kind of way. And then the other one I was remembering was Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Do you remember seeing no, that? No. What is Ch that? Chevy Chase film where Chevy Chase becomes invisible. No. Yeah. Chevy Chase. Holy shit. How this, did I not know that existed? This is in the late Chevy Chase period where, you know, like post Fletch, but he's still kind of, you know, like Chevy Chase looks like a dad now, right? Like he looks pretty much like every, every yeah. dad. Uh, but, but there was a period like post SNL, post Flitch, where it was like Chevy Chase could still maybe be a leading man. You know, it was sort of. I think it was uh, in just in that period where he was doing this and um, um, National Lampoon. So it was like, sh you know, either being a leading man or slowly edging into um, into uh, dad mode. Uh, it's a it's an unusual film, nonetheless, and unusual only because it's Chevy Chase. Like interesting because you know like Chevy Chase brings the comedy and the film is not that funny. Okay. It's, it's, it's got, and it's got like a, a fairly serious um, narration, as I recall it. But I, I at any rate, I like the conceit of the Invisible Man. I it's like a I, great, yeah. I like I like the idea of the Invisible Man. I also like that uh, Universal has finally, uh, mm -hmm. hopefully. Uh, learned the error of its ways and are not trying to build some Marvel-esque universe with their shit. 
To be fair, um, if the mummy had worked out, so the mummy was a two hundred million dollar movie. Oh, but it starts before Sweet Child. This is mummy. It starts before the mummy. Oh, you mean Dracula Untold? It starts before Dracula Untold. What was the Wolf I Man? Frankenstein, baby? Well, I was that the, was the uh, original one that they were using to try to launch what they were going to call the Dark Universe. Who's the actor in that from uh, The Dark Knight Rises? Oh, uh, Aaron Two Face. Yeah, Aaron Eckhart, um, yeah. yeah. So it goes. I believe I Frankenstein, Dracula Untold, the Mummy. Right. Um, the but Wolf the Man mummy... was not actually in that in that. Um, no, even but, though he is, but he's not. But the mummy is the clearly the one where they were saying, okay, let's build a universe around this. Yeah, because, because I, Jekyll... Frankenstein, and Dracula Untold kind of failed at the thing. So the mummy was like third time's a charm. But also the mummy is uh, the mummy is the one where they introduce other characters in yes. that world. Yes. Doctor, Doctor, uh, Russell Crowe plays Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It's as if <laughs> Iron Man and Thor failed, and then they're like, fuck it, let's do the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, and they just jumped... <laughs> Well, it was still one, but I did see that film. It was a, it's a Kurtzman vehicle, I believe. Alex Kurtzman, who'd written the Star Trek and the Transformers movie. It was his directorial debut. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, not good. No. It is uh, very... It's it's really unusual, because you can see at some point this was a horror movie, and then Tom Cruise joined it, and then it was like, okay, now it's a Tom Cruise movie. Yep. Horror be, you know, horror be gone. Yeah. And it was like plane crashes and like lots of Tom Cruise running. It's so funny, <laughs> because the plane crash thing, the, the technicality of watched a lot of behind the scenes of mm. that is so fascinating and yeah. so good and fun and in the movie it feels like nothing well yeah because it, it because it suddenly becomes a tom cruise vehicle it's a very strange addition to that movie yeah uh yeah and then yeah there's that famous photo is it uh javier badim johnny dip russell crow um uh, tom cruise and uh what is her name the, the actress who played the mummy she was in climax which i saw recently i, uh, I well i i do want to say sorry side note about that photo um Bustello, maria Bustello? So, yeah uh no I'm blanking was, yeah yeah i've got i'll pull it up Keep uh going. that photo also photoshopped right of course R- yeah. well but it's funny Sophia but, Butella. yeah thank you yeah. uh it's funny because <laughs> they got like every marvel character to show up on one day to take a photo. They couldn't get five but, but, people. But that was after the Avengers had already it doesn't made billions of dollars. You can't get five actors in L.A.? Yeah, this is the thing. Well, the thing the thing that I think was interesting Writings about... Writings on the wall. The, the interesting thing about the mummy, the, the play for the Dark Universe, was it was taking five of last era's <laughs> biggest movie stars. And these were movie stars... Well, four of them and then one up-and-comer. Who was that? Sophia. So well, yeah, Sophia Butella, and but but you know like, her, well, Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe and Johnny Depp, those three and are Javier Bardem, yeah, yeah, are well Javier Bardem doesn't open movies in Hollywood, but you know uh, he he's a great actor, obviously. Does Russell Crowe still? Not still, but he did. Huh. You know, like he did for a period. He was he was an he was the he was a he was a name above the title. Okay, kind of actor. That's what I, that's what I mean. Gladiator, baby. Yeah. Um. So it was an interesting play because their 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 position, I guess, was look. Uh. Not only are we going to do the thing that um, this little upstart Marvel is going to do it is, is kind of doing, but we're going to do it with the biggest movie stars on the planet, and and I think that was an like. I agree. The mummy is the movie. The mummy, the Alex Kurtzman movie, is not very good. But what would have? Imagine the world we would have lived in, where the mummy was as good as a Mission Impossible, for example, or as big as a, you know, a Jack Reacher or something like that. There's the, the difference is, and I think people forget this when they're trying to do their shared universes. Oh wait, side note: Angelina Jolie was going to be Bride of Frankenstein. That's see, big big time last um, year movie star. Uh, but. Uh, I think what a lot of these companies kind of forgot outside of Marvel and DC is the the characters that that are making these films, these comic book movies, 
have been in a shared universe forever. They are written in a certain way, and their stories are written in a certain way to 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 lubricate crossover. Ooh, um, <laughs> you don't remember the Monster Mash? Well, so here's the thing: the Monster Squad. Every one of those things <laughs> is played for comedy, or it gets silly when they all come together. The the Universal Monsters are classic, classic. You want yeah. good job, me? Classic mythological tales um, that are technically a lot of them in the public domain, except for like the versions that Universal owns. They're not, their stories are not designed to be thrown together. Therefore, you have to do a lot more writing gymnastics. Not to say it couldn't be done. Yeah. Um, but it, it just seems uh, like, it, it just seemed like uh, trying to chase the, 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 the game, so to speak, with the wrong bait. Yeah. I, I, a hundred percent, and history has certainly proven that to be yeah. true. I just think it would have been interesting. Like, what, what, a, what world would we live in now where, if that had been the case, because I would suddenly see like maybe the the right, you know, like the twenty million dollar actor is kind of gone away now, right? Like the Tom Cruise is probably one of the last surviving. The Rock is kind of maybe that person. I mean, RDJ yeah. was. Yeah, um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, RDJ made like fifty million. Yeah, he made m- money on the back end, but when he was poured into that, no, film, no, on the newer films. Fifty million up front. I think on what? Made, I think he made fifty million between uh, uh, Infinity War and Endgame. At any rate, he's that kind of caliber yeah. of star. But those stars are going away, right? I think so. Yeah, and so it would be. Inter- I wonder what would have happened to the landscape of Hollywood had the Universal um, Mummy reboot kind of done really well, and maybe those stars would have thrived. You know, they would have thrived, but they still would. I don't know. I, mm. I, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, actually, we kind of know what would happen. It would have been Marvel, like. Right, like then people would just negotiate three picture deals, and they'd yes. go through the thing, and then like ta da, like Marvel did it. Yeah, like um, I, I just think it was the it, it was a it was a tone deaf move, and it was a reactionary move. Where actually now, I think what they're doing with at least this property, the Invisible Man, is hecka smart. Hicka smart. So the rights reverted or was uh, taken up by Blumhouse uh, Films. You well, know, Universal yeah. gave it to Blum- yeah, Blumhouse. Yeah, Blumhouse has taken over uh, and decided to do what their usual business model is, which uh, they've proven to be very successful in the past, uh, which is uh, making lower budget movies and saying and being kind of hands off about it. Um, and the idea being that if a lower budget movie like Get Out does well, um, the return is so high that they can offset other productions that they do. Um, this movie was seven mil. Yeah. Uh, I read nine, but yeah, seven nine. That that sure. sub part. Let's make it a cool eight. Uh, sub ten million, um, which is pretty amazing when you think about like uh, the, yeah. the 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 level of quality that they managed to achieve with this. But you know, it is a it is a much safer gamble uh, to do it in that fashion, you know, because it basically means you know it's made back uh, percentage wise far more than the mummy, the original, uh, the the two thousand seventeen film. Right? Opening weekend got twenty eight point two million, and as of the recording of this, the global total is fifty three point eight million. Fifty three point eight. So what did the? I'm curious what the mummy made, but even if the mummy made those kinds of numbers, they were still batting up against a $200 million budget plus marketing plus the biggest movie star on the planet. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's a, this is a far more successful gamble. What all, but also what makes this interesting is there is no play for a bigger universe here. Yep. You can still make 
like I, I recall that the Universal has a box that you can buy. We can buy all the movies, you know, like Frankenstein, Dracula, um, uh, the Invisible Man, yep. the Mummy, as like a box set. But the movies aren't connected. And this is an interesting model where I think you could do the same thing, but the movies aren't connected. Yeah, the only reason those monsters are connected is because the company owns them. Yeah, intellectual property. Yeah, right? like yeah. you, you also could put like what else does Universal Scooby-Doo. own? Scooby Doo. Yeah, like <laughs> just throw it. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the in the world of crossovers, which actually I still haven't seen, I'm hoping it's good. I you know I don't know if you've seen the show Supernatural. No, um, it's it's going into its fifteenth or sixteenth final season. Like that's a long running show. They did a crossover with Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'm all about that. I, anytime you can throw Scooby Doo into anything, I'm uh, <laughs> uh, very happy. Good uh, one, That's also the point at which you know you've kind of like jumped the shark. So yeah. when, like, you, when you team when up sc- with Scooby Doo, yeah, it's your 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 days are numbered. Like Zoink Scoob, <laughs> it's the Invisible Man. Can you, in your shaggy voice, oh, please? No. no, do it, do it. Uh, uh, read me the synopsis for the inv- Lee Wannell's The Invisible Man. Like when Cecilia's abusive ex takes his own life, leaving her his fortune, dude. She <laughs> she suspects his death was a hoax. This is not Shaggy anymore. I, I can't do. It. I like it. I like uh, it. Okay. Uh, like and then a series of coincidences turn lethal. Cecilia works to prove that she's being hunted by someone no one can see. Zoinks! Zoinks! Uh, that was I, not. I, apo- I apologize to Anna, apolo- Anna Barbera. <laughs> I apologize to the voice actor of Scooby Doo. I I, uh, I think you should do. I every... apologize to Matthew Lillard. Is, is that who played uh, yeah, that's who Scooby? Played, no, he played um, uh, uh, Shaggy. Shaggy. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy. <laughs> Uh, so Scooby Doo, the first movie, and actually the second movie, I like. Is it a? It's a James Gunn vehicle, right? James Gunn wrote it. Yes, but yeah. he didn't direct it. And yeah. it's Sarah Michelle Geller and um uh uh, 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 uh oh gosh, I'm blanking on Rose the other McGowan? one. No, um uh the woman uh who was Hawkeye's wife. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on Hawkeye's wife. You know, one thing, uh, listeners, is that we give you a lot of room to like jump in at any moment. Jump in now, <laughs> scream into this. <laughs> and thing. and like I love, I would just love to be uh, a fly on the wall as people are walking down the street listening to our podcast, shouting, shouting, shouting. shouting. What, what name would they be shouting? Who that. could this be? Shout the name. <laughs> it's going to the wrong movies. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, you could also shout the name of that movie that I am trying to remember the most horrible thing that I ever he- uh, heard of in a movie um, at the beginning of this podcast. Um, Matt. Linda Cardinelli. There Holy shit. I it. can't believe. Linda, I'm so sorry. Okay. I, I feel bad. It's okay. It's okay. You've forgotten me. <laughs> and then Freddie Prince Jr. was also in the other. In <laughs> you the forgot other. about Freddie Prince Jr. No, I remembered Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> I mean, that's how he and Sarah Michelle Geller got married. How can you not know this pop culture wonderment? <laughs> so Lee Wannell, uh, one of the uh, co-writers of the Saw franchise, uh, the initial Saw uh, film, and then uh, moved on to writing Insidious and is uh, kind of the writing and directing, well, He's only directed two films, right? Un- upgrade in this. Yes. Uh, and, but his, his, his writing partner, James Wan, has obviously uh, jumped into uh, Aquaman, The Conjuring, Insidious. Did James Wan also do a Fast and the Furious, or was he going to do a Fast and the Furious? I thought he was going, going to. Going to do a Fast and the Furious, then he dropped out, right? Yeah. At some point. Did you see Upgrade? I did not see Upgrade. I've seen uh, the gif of, uh, of moments where the camera twists and turns as somebody punches someone in the face. I mean, if you've seen the gif, then you've seen the I've movie. seen the whole movie. No, I don't know. Yeah. I've actually never seen the gif, so I can't <laughs> even say that. It's just a funny sentence. Uh, you will see it. Uh, you'll see a similar move in, in The Invisible Man, and uh, Wanlon talks about the fact that uh, if he's... Uh, if he has anything in life, it's creating a signature look. Invisible Man meets Upgrade 
man. They have a fight. Who wins? Invisible. I haven't seen Upgrade. Invisible wins. You think Invisible so? man. I think so. You think Deception beats uh, Strength every I time? I think every time. Every time? Yeah. I, I would probably buy that. You just have to be smart. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or, um, uh, but or, maybe there's an upgrade that lets him see infrared or some shit. Also, well, or paint. Shh, don't, don't <laughs> or, or ruin paint, it. Or paint, or water. Or, or, uh, or, uh, uh, or a fire gonna... extinguisher, or a blanket. Yeah, Look, there's a lot of ways it can go sideways. <laughs> yeah. Um, you and I saw this together uh, a couple of nights ago. Just the two of us. Yeah, and uh, it was lovely. We sat, we had a seat in between us. In case or did the, we? Or did we? No, in case the invisible man wanted to sit there. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe he was there. Yeah. Or her. Or her. Who knows? The invisible person. What did you think of the movie? Uh, I dug it. Yeah? Uh, I dug it quite a bit. I didn't expect to dig it, uh, mm. but then I got digging. You expect, then you were dug. I, I was expecting to just be like, yep, this is fine. Yeah. Um... I will say, though, straight up, I don't know how you felt about this, and this is a minor spoiler for the first two minutes of the film. Okay. <laughs> but the opening, th- like, three-peat credit sequence of the, be- of, the, of the wave hitting the rock and the hitting the invisible letters and dripping off, great in uh, theory, I thought it looked like butt. Yeah, I w- I, you know what I didn't like about it was that um, it felt, how to describe it? It feel it felt somewhat like it didn't feel like it came from the movie. No, it felt like it came from a design team yep. outside of the movie. Now I don't know how that came up, but just there's some there's a quality to it. it and it, and to be honest with you, from a design point of view, it had to do with like the choice of font. You know, like the choice Kinda. of font is really thick and blocky, and it kind of feels very much like a digital effect on top of a movie that doesn't really feel. Like that, yeah. And look, there's there's great case studies for this. Uh, I think um, David Fincher's Panic Room uses like a really uh, uh, detailed title sequence where like these block fonts are like written in the air, and it's kind of unsettling, and it feels like it, it sets you up for the mood of the film. This did not set me up for the mood of the film. I didn't I didn't uh, feel I had, it. I had no idea what the mood of the film was going to be. Now, granted, right after that, it mm-hmm. kicks into gear, and then this mo- movie is all mood in yeah. my opinion. Like. Holy hell, like I really, really dug the, it, 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 this whole entire thing felt uh, just atmosphere, dripping, dripping atmosphere. Right. Um, from the beginning when uh, when Elizabeth Moss uh, has to escape the, the the compound, this beautiful house on on the beach, which is where we get the Filmed waves. Filmed in Australia, by the way. Oh, uh, man, that uh, house was dope. Uh, apparently, they were talking about the fact that that house is like, uh, uh, they don't say who lives there, but uh, the, the everyone there was on tinder hooks while they were there. They're not, you're not allowed to touch anything in that house. Well, yeah, because <laughs> it's all glass and concrete. Yeah, but imagine living in that place. It's so weird. I mean, it'd be, you could touch things if you lived in the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll just touch my own stuff and just visualize it. <laughs> um, I thought uh, Elizabeth Moss did, I mean, car- just the whole movie just hauling it on her back. Uh, mm. I mean, she was, I mean, everyone everyone is actually pretty good with the exception, and I'll get into it later, of Adrian of the Invisible Man. Oh, okay. From, um, um, what is the actor's name? The, from from uh, The Haunting of Hill House, uh, mm. Olivia Jackson Cohen. And, 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 the, his, Jackson and her sister, uh, the sister character felt a little bit hammy, but other than that, like it was just such a welcome twist on the Invisible Man story. Yeah. So um, we, we haven't explained what the what the thing is. Well, the, the thing is, um, uh, Cecilia has to leave Adrian because he's an abusive fuckwad uh, who happens to also be the world's leading designer of optic technology. Um, 
so she escapes his uh, super rich compound because she's ba- he's like super controlling. I mean, this this story at its heart is a domestic abuse uh, and and both mental and physical. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's the thing, which violence. is that it, it it inverts what we the movie is from the point of view of the victim. Yes, you know, and it's about what the victim thinks of the film. Uh, uh, and so she escapes, and then uh, he supposedly kills himself. Mm-hmm. But then things start getting real. And you know what I really liked about this movie is it doesn't start showing you like invisible effects for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. It sets the mood. Oftentimes you'll see uh, Cecilia looking off and then a camera will cut and you'll just be like looking at an empty frame in a room. Mm-hmm. And that it gets so unnerving. I think the sound design and the score particularly really, really elevate it as well. Uh, and I-, I liked it because they didn't they didn't do cheap shit until much much later in the film when you're already like in you're already in it yeah um i really i i dug it i dug it a lot i um i i enjoyed it far more than i thought what about you uh yeah i think uh i think this is a wonderful take on the invisible man it's it's a clear line that's been drawn here about like making sure that this is a uh a compelling reimagining of this story for where we live today. And it's a story about gaslighting. You know, it really is a story about gaslighting and domestic abuse and and what that means and, and how that plays out. The the they what what Wannell does so well here is he takes the metaphor and applies it to a situation uh, in a in a compelling way. The metaphor really and it's a it's a perfect alignment of metaphor for what the invisible man represents. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's a really wonderful um, uh, reimagining of this tale from the from in the way that makes you go, this is what should happen whenever anyone is tasked with reimagining, you know, like with redoing yeah. a tale that has been done before. Yep. You know, like it's like, okay, great, here's the original story. What's my take on it? What's yeah. my spin on it? And this, and the spin is really unique here. Um, so I think that 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 is a really wonderful uh, examination. And I think I think Wannell has uh, proven himself to be um, a visual stylist in sort of all the right ways. That opening um, five minutes in the house oh, are yeah. really slickly executed and really he 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 can he understands not only what silence does but what the frame can do uh, with an audience's expectations yep. you know so he's he's really good throughout this film in terms of like pointing the camera at spaces where the audience is forced to kind of like look at every corner and start you know doing that i don't know if you i was just doing that where yeah. i was like um, my eyes were scanning the entirety. You're looking for, like, for the Invisible Man for for little things, and it's like that is the that is the trick of this movie. It's not it's not the it's not the Hollow Man effect. You know, Hollow Man famously had one of the biggest budgets, uh, VFX budgets of its time, because they were trying to figure out how to update the the visual effects of the Invisible Man for a modern audience. Yeah. Whereas this film is saying, no, what's interesting here is the games that your uh, your psychology plays with you by pointing the camera in empty spaces when your expectation is that there's someone there yeah. you know and I think and I think that's really clever the movie is very very tense it's really well executed it makes a transition into action really well really smoothly yeah um, in a way that reminds me of James Cameron um, yeah you know, like like the the it's obviously reminiscent of a ter- of a scene from Terminator 2 man those hospital guards just keep spawning two by two I know they do come out a lot and they're just like <laughs> they keep running out and seeing exact and I was like at this point everyone's in a great you know I was like, I was like hoping Elizabeth Moss's character would just stand up and go okay at this point can we just agree, you know, that there is an invisible man here before you guys get taken down? Can we just like handshake on this thing right now? Um, so I think it, it's it's a really gr- well executed film. I will say the uh, and, and and I like 
this period of the year to release a film like this, which is pure entertainment mm -hmm. at the movies. I recall uh, um, uh, John Krasinski's uh, Quiet Place coming out uh, a year ago. A lot what of vibe it? with the Quiet Place in this yeah, one, just too. Like, it's different, but... Real, no, just really good central conceit, you know, yeah. like enough and, and knows how to play with its audience. I think... For me personally, the third act, or essentially it's the, the three and a quarter act or fourth or fifth act, whatever, however you want to describe it, is, is, is the only part where the film falters because the film, the audience suddenly catches up with the movie and jumps ahead of the movie. And the film kind of plays it as though we haven't caught up with the movie yet. And, and I found that oh, part, sure. I found that part just like a little bit of a letdown. I found <laughs> it a little bit like icing. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, okay, the cake was really good. Like, oh, okay, yeah, you know what? Victory Lab, you did a movie. Go, I, go, go. I just, I think, you know, like it was just uh, what I would, would have hoped for is like a, a tighter, um, a tighter moment out. It kind of felt like it languid a little bit, and and it was like we knew where it was going to go by the end sure. of it, you know. And and, I, and and it seemed to play out in a very long time, as though we didn't know where it was going to go. And I was also very taken out, to be honest. Like I know I'm going bad to it. I don't want to hark on it, but uh, the actor who played Adrian, right? Um, you mentioned him a couple of times. Uh, versus Elizabeth Moss, yeah. um, like. It's like you're looking at two different acting schools, wh what, one of which is very the, effective. What was the issue with it? I, I, I thought he was fine. I, I, I just, I want it. So, Eliz and, you know, maybe he is fine, yeah. and it's Elizabeth Moss is so good that, like, just fine doesn't, like, it, that felt as disparate to me as the opening titles did. Right. Like, just the way that they, like, the way they spoke was just didn't fit to me. And I was like, it, it was complicated because I believe. Elizabeth Moss's uh, Cecilia is, is is terrified and and working through it. Like I I believe her, yeah. but it's not because of what the other actor is doing. It's because she's selling it so hard. Yeah, it was. No, I, I definitely I, I agree with that. And I, but I I wouldn't put it down to the actor per se. I think he's fine. And I, it's probably the part is not written partly because I like him from the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. He was like one of my favorite characters. Which maybe maybe he was great in that. He's fantastic. He's amazing. Yeah. That. Um. Yeah. I just don't think maybe he wasn't given a lot to do here. Well, I think the thing you're pointing to here is that the character of Adrian is um described in a lot of detail as being. Um, both a gaslighter, a domestic abuser, but inc incredibly intelligent. Yeah, a genius. And a genius. And the way he uh, comes across when he's finally revealed at the end of the movie is much more... It's like douche bro. Yeah, there's a little bit more... Um, yeah, exactly, douche bro kind You of expect thing. Hannibal Lecter, and you get douche bro. Yeah. And it's like a little bit... Off-putting. It's a little bit surprising, but but you know, I I think also that entire to me the entire last. Scene. Also, we just spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> well, Although it? we're in, we're in we're far in enough. Movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. We we apologize for that. <laughs> Surprise! Oh, that that's actually yeah. We won't spoil why that's important. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I I think that for me the entire last. Um, uh, last scene loses yeah. steam. Yeah, and and it's uh, it's unfortunate because I think everything up until that point was fantastic, like really tight, sharp. I, I was willing to go anywhere this movie was willing to go. Even even I think there are plot holes with this movie, but it's that same thing that I talked Ooh, about with where the, are they with with the Quiet Place, which is that when a movie is good and and like sits up the world really well and and takes you on a ride plot holes to me don't matter I, like, i'm just curious what were your plot holes well how did he fake his suicide the brother was working with him yeah but how did he fake his suicide 
you lie on the ground, you put ketchup on your wrists, and you have your brother take a picture. And that goes through autopsy. That kind of like like with you, enough. How, I mean, I, money is the magical potion. Like like how do you how do you do that? Like you know like money money money. And, and then you know like this idea that. Um, uh, that he's hiding in his basement, you know, like hiding in a in a wall the entire time. You know, seem it just seems a little. I don't know what the mechanics well, of this. Well, he wasn't partic- hiding in a wall the no, entire time. No, I know the idea that he tells everyone that he was just hi- he was he, he was being trapped. Ca- he was trapped. It was like this doesn't seem like anyone would buy this at any point, but you know, whatever. They'd buy it if it came with ten thousand dollars. <laughs> maybe, maybe that, maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> I you're would right. believe it. Yeah, Adrian, like, I believe you. I believe everything you're saying, um, but but. It doesn't bother me. Does not does not bother me uh, in the slightest. You know, like I think one of our guests, uh, Morgan Nichols, on uh, our Parasite episode, said something along the lines of, uh, "He doesn't care about plot threads. Movies are akin to a dream. Yeah, you know, which means they can go in any direction, and as long as you kind of, and as I, long as you enjoy the ride, that's all that yeah, matters." Yeah, and I don't under, I don't agree with that entire. I, I I don't like I, the. There are movies that that if its central conceit is that it has to make sense, then if it starts not making sense or having plot holes, then I have a problem. But if the entire thing is like we are all atmosphere, go go go, then it's totally. I, th- I fine. think the point is that like if you're willing to go along with the film, yeah, then it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Um, uh, speaking of going along with the film, okay, I've thought of something I hope is interesting to you and to the listeners about this movie. Okay, I was trying to think. If I could think of another film whose name, and I have to develop this thought, where the name of the film actually helps you get through the central conceit. Because I was trying to think, what if this movie was just called, like, um, uh, Domestic? Right. Okay? And then you didn't... Sleeping with the enemy. (laughs) Sure, right? But then you didn't know, like... You would not be on board with Elizabeth's with with uh, Cecilia's character if you didn't have the meta knowledge that Inv- Invisible Man is coming. Like you'd feel bad for her, but it would be a different film, right? You would question right. her sanity more, and it would be a different like. So my point is, I was trying to think of an other another film that does this, and I really couldn't. <laughs> like the, where the, where the title is such a central part to the audience's experience of watching the movie. Huh. Um. I'm not. Hmm. I mean, there's certainly great titles that I can think of at the top of my head where the exp- where the title helps suits you, it helps you with the movie. I don't know if it's central to the movie, but this I would argue is a hundred percent central. Like if you didn't know based on the title that there was an invisible man, I don't think this movie would work as well psychologically. It would certainly feel different, and I don't think it would have worked as well for me. But like, it, I thought that was interesting, right? Like, th- th- I mean, that's again marketing, and this, it's not like a problem. I just, I, I found it like an odd thing. I was like, ooh, cool. I'd be really interested if uh, was it the James Baldwin novel? The, no, no, it's not the James Baldwin. Um, the Invisible was it is yeah the James Baldwin novel, The Invisible Man. What that? Oh no, Ralph Ellison. Uh, if if you watch that, and if there was an audience expectation that there was going to be an invisible man in that movie when in fact that movie is about like how pe- society makes renders people invisible right. on a mythological level. And that sets up a tonal feeling for <laughs> your story. No, but, I, but I, it's the inverse of what you're saying yeah, which yeah. is that if someone watched that and went, "Hey, where's the invisible dude?" But like where's that the invisible yeah, dude gets yeah, yeah. turned up. But like <laughs> I think I think we get on board faster due to this me- the title is meta information that we have as as viewers <laughs> that the characters do not. Um, yeah, but that, and it, that like like we had a conversation about this with uh, reference reference to Parasite, 
You know, where like the title is a direct clue for how to view the film. It's yes, how to view the film, how to interpret what's mm-hmm. happening, but not a central conceit that ties you to a character, like how you're going to react to a character reacting. <laughs> like it's t- it's direct. Where Parasite, and, and I would argue many successful films. <laughs> the, other, the other film I can think of off the top of my head is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. There is going to be a portrait of a lady on fire but, in this movie. But, and if that there, is... but if there wasn't, <laughs> but if there wasn't, the experience of the film would not have been different. Where I fe- I honestly believe <laughs> if this was not called The Invisible Man and you didn't know that a man will eventually be invisible, your entire experience would change. The other one that I could think of is, and it's not, it's the interpretation of I the know. movie uh, that we had versus what the film actually was about. But was the idea that life was, was secretly a Venom prequel? And like, imagine if life was called <laughs> Venom, and 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 then seriously, then your experience of that movie entirely changed. I think that would, yeah. Again, yeah. so yeah, I I hundred percent agree. Yeah, actually, listeners, only movie podcast at gmail.com. Can you find a film that does this? I know we're coming up with hypotheticals. I would love to hear them. I'm sure they exist. I can't think of it. You're smarter than me. Uh, please write that. In. I just I found that like an odd like like ooh. Like I thought it, it like, was a nice I'm, brain I'm tickle. I'm trying to think of titles that are really literal, you know, like which describe the events of the but movie. But that you need to have. <laughs> That's the point. It has to be central to well, the experience you're watching. The reverse engineering I'm doing in my brain right now is like, what if that title wasn't there? Then how would you experience the film? And I'm thinking of like the Spy Who Loved Me, the the Roger Moore movie, the you know the James Bond one. If you did, if the title was just like. Um, uh, shaken, not stirred, or something right. like that, and then and then you're like, oh my god, there's a spy in this movie, you know, like where, the- yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I just I thought it was uh, I thought it was a fun little tangent. Uh, yeah, a couple of other little tangents I want to talk about here is um, I just I I think there's a tightrope that this film has to walk in terms of, uh, and we saw it in our Birds of Prey review as well. It's the it's the the tightrope that I think filmmakers of today are having to walk, especially films that deal with um, the abuse of women, mm-hmm. is the line at which the ex- the film does not cross to exploit the women themselves. So in our Birds of Prey review, there was a moment, uh, or in our Birds of Prey discussion, there was a moment in that film where Victor Zaz, um, you know, like kind of uh, um, uh, interrogates and assault, you know, like verbally uh, harasses a woman and asks her to strip down naked and, you know, like, and, and visual, you know, like it's, it's Oh, that was black mask. That was, yeah. Oh, serious. Black mask. And it's a really sort of powerful moment, but the film kind of smartly doesn't engage in the exploitation by showing you that woman as she's being exploited. Like she, the, the, the camera doesn't show that. It's not salacious. We're experiencing a horrible moment, Mm -hmm. but not for the male gaze. Yeah. And what we're, what we're, the film is really focused in on is the, the monstrosity of the character. And, and I think that's a tightrope that films today that are dealing with, you know, these sorts of issues have to walk. And I think this is a film that really plays that well. Inversely, the thing that kind of distracted me about this movie, uh, and it was just sort of like uh, me uh, being silly somewhat, uh, but Aldous Hodge, who plays the uh, um, James, the cop that takes yeah. her in, 
is so good looking that I was just distracted by him the whole, anytime he was on screen. There's like, <laughs> hey, I'm just an average cop. Yeah, I was just like, and, and I was I'm like, your sister's and friend. I kind of loved that to be honest with you. I kind of loved that 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 I was objectifying the guy in this movie, and because like, because there was a moment, and I'll, I'll explain why. There's a moment at which where um, Elizabeth Moth is going through this terrible thing, something awful has happened, and she calls for him, and he comes running into the room in a tank top, and all I could do was look at this dude's triceps, and like there was so distracting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't triceps; it was like a, la- a lat or like there's something on the, on the back of the arm. Had its own like muscle. its own muscle. It was like a muscle on a muscle. I totally noticed. Yeah, and, that. And, I, and I was like, that dude has not just got out of bed. He is outside the door, like doing lifts. He's you know, doing, like, he's doing burpees. Because he's coming in with a he's coming in with a with a oh, with the pump with a pump going. And I was just like, I was just enjoying the idea that he was kind of eye candy in this movie. Sure. You know, like that it was kind of a fun. Uh, it's I, I, obviously not intentional but he was just so good looking and so like fit like distractingly so and i i, I don't know why i thought that was fun he I, was he was the visible man he was the visible man visible man meets I, invisible man <laughs> they have a fight i guess visible wins visible one in that Spoil- case yeah. spoiler man um i think uh this film also takes a couple of really smart turns there was one you know it's a spoiler now but it was kind of um, th- th- I guess the only thing is, is this film is would be absolutely effective if you are constantly playing catch up, right? Um, and, and in its best moments, you are constantly playing catch up and uh, catch up, catch up, catch up. You're playing source. Um, but like for example, when when um when Elizabeth uh, when Emily dies, uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, Cecilia's sister, that was a genuine moment of surprise, holy shock. Fuck. Horror, and I was like, and and now I'm I'm am in this movie in terms of like what can she do to get out of this scenario? Yeah. You know, like, and that's a moment where the movie is playing, ca- where you're having to play catch up to the same movie. when Sydney gets punched in the face. Yeah, when she got punched in the face, I was like, oh I was my. like, what yeah. the shit? Because because it, it 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 kind of expands the boundaries of how dangerous this character dismantling is. dismantling uh, uh, Cecilia's uh, safety nets. Exactly, and I thought and I thought that was really. Brilliant. The the moment, like I I was not the the reveal that Cecilia is pregnant was was you know like signposted from the very beginning of the movie. You know, I didn't pay attention, and I mean, I I, I when it happened, I was like, oh, that makes sense, and I I thought that they were using it as a reason why. I don't know, like a reason why Adrian wasn't, wasn't gonna hurt her. Yeah, like hurt her, hurt but her, but then, was- he, then he beats the shit. Well, there, there was a phone call right at the beginning where she's uh, after she's passed out from the diazepam, I think it is, mm. and you hear the the nurse say, "Oh, by the way, there's something else in your test," and you know, like it's just, I was like, "Oh, she's clearly pregnant." Oh, I didn't even think of that because, for whatever be- reason. Because she also said at the beginning that I've been taking birth control pills, and so it was just for me, it was like a signpost. Oh, and the interesting thing is when the when the brother comes in, you find out that the brother is sort of mm-hmm. in on it. Yeah, uh, it's after that the pu- it's publicly known that she is pregnant. So then he kind of is like, okay, well now this has to stop because we have to protect. Like he right. kind of like so like that was I think used as a as a turning point device. Yeah. Um, but it, it just for me personally, sure. it wasn't you know like and and I think that la- the problem is is the last um, you know five to ten minutes of the movie. We, the like I I don't know how you felt, but I I just felt like we were ahead of the movie as opposed to being behind it the entire time. 
Uh, the the last bit we were a hundred percent ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and I and again, I felt like that was icing. I yeah. I didn't uh, would. Would I have liked the experience that I had the entire time to sort of flow through the entirety of the end of the film? Yes. Yeah. But I also like that moment of catharsis. I like that moment of like, we're like, we know that uh, our hero is now in control and is going to turn the tides on on what this monster has done. Right. Um, going b- above and beyond the law in her own hands. Yeah. Um, even I- though she brought the law with her so that the law could hear <laughs> but then sort of side agree you know what i actually liked about that particular scene though was the fact that adrian never says that he did it you know that he was the person behind it. he only says the word surprise and that's for her that's enough you yeah, know and like because she knows what it sounds and like. and aldous uh, um james who's waiting outside doesn't hear it either so basically the idea here is that she has to uh he has to believe her you know, and I think that's an that's an interesting turn on that's the idea. Important. On you know, like there you know, there's a moment in uh, in the Democratic debates recently where Chris Matthews, I think, asked Elizabeth Warren a question about Michael Bloomberg's uh, NDAs or something along those lines, and Chris Matthews asked her a question like, "Why would Michael Bloomberg lie about this?" And uh, Elizabeth Warren turns to her uh, him and says, "Why would any of these women lie about this? And why would you presume that they are lying?" Um, and and it was a really important moment in this this idea of like believing the the victim. And, yeah. And 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 I think that moment where we own where where um, she only hears the word surprise, and that's the only piece of information that the cop outside hears, means that she ha- he has to take it on faith about what he uh, she's saying. Yeah. And I think that's an important turn for the movie. I I actually did like that idea. That reminds me of a a, <laughs> a problematic filmmaker, but Roman Polanski's film Bitter um, uh, Death and the Maiden, where um, you know like something like this has happened, and is and one person can only. Uh, Describes the way someone smell as their only evidence, uh, you know. Like I think, I think was in, it Wolverine. <laughs> it wasn't Wolverine. It was Sigourney Weaver, though. Huh. Um, Who should have played Wolverine at some point? I probably should have. Yeah, it would have made sense. Um, so I think all of that stuff is really great, and I think you know, again, this is just a great. Uh, February movie to be honest with you and it's like in the way that and I don't mean that in the sense that like it's in a bad time of year what I mean is it's really fun it's really smart it doesn't you know lose any of its of its inherent entertainment value by dumbing down any of the things it wants to say um and and it just it plays really well I also think this is a weird statement but uh, I was talking to my mom today and she asked how the movie was I was like oh it's good it was really suspenseful she's like I'm not going to see it cuz it's scary mm. and I was like no, it is you, scary. I was like, it is scary, but you should totally see it. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I was like, I would recommend this to a lot of different people across the spectrum of my life. I think that it it is a um a bit of an umbrella movie. Like it, it it's something that like yeah, it's a horror film, but it's also a suspense. Like you know whatever. But like there's so much to latch onto, and uh, the central conceit again is right in the title. Yeah. Like. I think a lot of different filmgoers can find a lot of things to enjoy about this movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that it's I'm glad that it's doing well for its budget. I think, yeah. and especially you know, time period, etc. The the interesting thing about like, oh, it's coming out in February, March. Like, well, this is Bloomhouse's play. I know. You know like it's a get out us this. You know, like it, it's their play is this time of the year. It's smart. Yeah, because it's it's an uncrowded field. Yeah, it's an uncrowded field to excel in. I don't get why more people don't do that. 
I mean, uh, as Bloomhouse makes more movie, more money on these kinds of things, I'm sure people will try yeah. to uh, fill fill this gap. But you know, this, it's a very smart play to put this movie at this time of the year. Yeah, uh, and it's you know, it's proven proven ridiculously successful. I don't think this movie is going to go the distance like Get Out did. No, um, it's not as good. Uh, but but I think it's it's on the same playing field. You know, like it is on the same playing field of socially conscious horror. Yeah. Um, and and uh, for that, I love it. Also, Zeus the dog doesn't die, and I appreciated that. Yeah, no, that is a that is a nice touch there. I also I also appreciated that James didn't die because I was like, only black dude in the movie dies. I'm not, you know, I'm not, yeah, gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. be feeling this. I, I, you know, it's funny. You can <laughs> you can kind of tell when a film respects its characters and when it doesn't at this point, like early on. And yeah. I, I, I had a feeling that uh James was not going to die. I was I was concerned the entire movie that he was gonna die and just for the, the trope that it presents. And then the second he was beating him uh, he was getting yeah, beaten yeah. in the hallway, I was like, Oh he's a, he's not gonna die. Like I, that was just it. I was hoping he does collapse and I was like, Oh, okay, we're doing that. All right, cool. Yeah. But he comes back, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing uh the, I, I mentioned this to you as we were dry, get it coming home in the movie. This film was shot in Australia. Lee Wannell is Australian. Uh, uh Michael Dorman, who plays the brother, is a New Zealander, so that was nice. Um and uh uh, I just like Nash Edgerton was in this movie as a security guard. Now, for those who don't know, Nash Edgerton is a really great director. He made a movie in America called "Get Me to the Get Me to the Gringo," I think it was called, uh, which didn't play well. Get me to the chopper. I think it had Michael Oelio in it, um, and he also made another film called "The Square" with his brother uh, uh, Joel Edgerton. Um, but he's an amazing filmmaker, and I was just like, uh, and he's an incredible stuntman as well. He's wor- he's worked uh, uh, he's done his brother's stunts and a lot of stunts in, in movies in Hollywood for a long time. Time. I just liked that he was in the movie. I, I was like, yeah. it kind of, it just, I was like, oh, it's really cool that like there's this Australian contingent of young filmmakers who are supporting each other, hanging you know, out, hanging out with each other, and they're just there for each other. Man, uh, imagine having to call your brother to do your stunts. Uh, he, Nash Edgerton is an amazing. Like I know he, he's an but artist. I, I'm saying Joel. Like <laughs> if Joel's like Nash, listen, I got this car thing, and he's like, no, don't worry. But like I just think it's funny. You got to get to call your brother. You got to call your brother. He did a movie where he uh, Nash did a short film. I can't remember the title of it, but basically he wakes up in the back of a car. Uh, in the trunk of a car and he has to open it and he opens it and the car is like speeding down a highway with a brick in the uh, on the accelerometer uh-huh. and it was all done live action like you know like there's no comp- yeah. oh, there's very little compositing in it and he has to climb out of the back and jump into the front um, it, it's phenomenal he's, right. he's really great you should check out Nash so Nash when Nash, Nash Man meets Joel Man <laughs> they have a fight who other Nash who, Man wins? Who else could Nash Man? Or who else Nash could be invisible? Who do, in in the in the team up of monster uh, uh, movie monsters? Where is the Invisible Man going to stack against the Wolfman, for example? Oh. Let, let's let's do oh. the brackets. Okay, so Wolfman's got Man, a, Wolfman's got an incredible sense of smell. But we don't know, and I this so th- I, this actually brings me to my last point about the film in general too. The suit itself is super cool looking, but the CG when it's a full body thing looks janky AF. The movement, the movement where he's like staggering, and I yeah. was like, okay, end of annihilation. Um, but the uh, the I, I would assume let's go through the bracket that here. the screen the the suit itself 
not only dampen sound like footprints and things, but also is smell contained. Like the goal <laughs> of this thing is to not be, uh, w- you know, witnessed. Because the first thing I was thinking of is like, you know, when it's revealed that he might have been upstairs the entire time. Oh, it's I was so like, hot. I was like, man, you've been in that suit for like four days at yeah. this point. Like you are stinky. You don't need batteries. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Okay. So Invisible- I would say he could, Invisible Man could d- destroy Wolfman. Okay, Invisible Man versus the Mummy. See, here's what it is: the mummy. <laughs> yeah, mummy every day. I think so because it's a it's a, a other being. world. Like it's so the Wolfman is supernatural, so <laughs> to speak, but it is still a mortal being. Yeah, it's physical. where the mummy is a is an is an otherworldly entity. It's a god, right? The mummy. I mean, a... roughly, or yeah. a, or a, you know, a, a, some some demigod. Can you say version. roughly in your Scooby Doo voice, please? Roughly. Thank <laughs> 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 uh, Mummy versus Dracula. Oh, you know what's a bit oh, of matchup? Sorry, well, I've mummy. Just, I've just realized. Um, uh, Invisible Man versus Frankenstein. Invisible Man. Yep, there you go. So I think Invisible Man kind of gets to number three on the slot on the title card. Number two, I would say. You think you think Invisible Man could take Dracula? Yeah, a hundred percent. Really? Because again, all of these monsters have tells or weaknesses or whatever, and the Invisible Man is a genius, and also you can't fucking see him. <laughs> so yeah, oh yeah. By the way, <laughs> sunlight kills Dracula. <laughs> Like you can, there's a lot of things that kill Dracula. I actually read that canoni- canonically uh, in the original Bram Stoker, he does appear in the, in the daylight. Yeah, he is a daywalker. So- listen, listen. <laughs> there's a lot of ways to kill a vampire canonically. I'm saying, and uh, there's and and the Invisible Man, you can't know he's there. The I, you know, one thing you mentioned at the very beginning as well is that uh, the idea of invisibility drives you insane, right? Like that's the conceit. I think of, it would. Th- that's a conceit of H.G. Wells' film. That's a conceit of Hollow Man. Uh, what's interesting about this is he is invisible by choice and can turn it on and off. Yeah. So he is not. He is only insane by the parameters of what it means to be a man who is insane. But also, I mean, this character is insane before he tur- before he has I mean. the ability yeah. to be invisible. I would say though that that the even the ability to turn it on and off. Mm. I honestly think constant exposure would start breaking down your social norms to a point where you really wouldn't fit into society anymore. And that might break you on a mental level. Because you then, how could you not? Think Start thinking Think you were greater this, than people. This dude has made the greatest invention known to mankind and uses it to gaslight his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's how crazy this dude his is. His girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. I don't know if they were married. I don't know. Uh, he, he's, he's created the most amazing technology, and he's using it to stalk his, his partner. But you know what? <laughs> That's the most realistic thing in this film. Yeah, that is true. We are men are terrible. I mean, people are terrible. <laughs> Men, in particular, with this film, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that's what would happen. <laughs> that's the world we live in. Holy fuck. Yeah. Anyway, go see The Invisible Man as best you can. You have to look real hard. They might, he might, he be, might right be right next to you listening to this. Wouldn't it, it might be amazing if that film was kind of like that, where you, walked out of the, where you walked out of the theater and you were at home and you were just like, what if he's there right now? I mean, yeah. I mean, I got a little bit of vibe like that. And then listeners, you like shake listen, around. Listeners, what if he's right next to you? What if he's right next? Check for breath. Go outside mm-hmm. and stand and spin around in a circle real All quick. All I'm saying cold. is, just keep a can of paint 
but but don't get the not washable paint that they have in this plot holes. By the way, that is a plot hole. <laughs> that like, paint washes off <laughs> real, real quick, real and it's oh, like the drips stop, and then it's just the sink. I'm yeah, like, fuck you. Yeah, this paint is like this is the the wonder he needed a new. He didn't need a new ladder. He needed better paint. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and also that paint's been up in an attic. That paint is not liquid anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway. This has been the only podcast about the film The Invisible Man. Shahir, when you are not being visible right before my eyes in all of your beautiful New Zealand glory, where can folks find you? Um, People can find me uh, gaslighting on my website <laughs> gaslighting my website I, we're I'm all ga- we're all gaslighting our websites yeah this gaslight nation uh at www.shahirdaud.com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d matt when you are no longer uh fighting off the monsters of the nether of the other world and have taken the throne as the new ruler of the monster squad what is your character name first and where can people find you? Uh, my character name would be Wolfman Has Nards, and people can find me at www.mattheewkrol.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P R Z E Z on Instagram or PSN or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Also, again, please write us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what did you think of The Invisible Man? Did you find out The Invisible Man is right next to you? Are you going to go see Elizabeth Banks? Elizabeth. Uh, Invisible woman, Elizabeth. Elizabeth woman. Elizabeth Moss. Uh, Elizabeth. No, but no. Elizabeth Banks is, is is set to direct an Invisible Woman movie, or oh, really? was a bit ago. And people are like, is it a continuation? We don't know. I. I it doesn't matter. Does doesn't it, matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Shouldn't matter. Um, We've got a Joker movie now that's non-canonical. Yeah. We can do whatever we you want. Do whatever we want. Do it. We're, we've been unshackled, much like the Invisible Man has from both morals and sanity. But not from um, deodorant. But not. Yeah. Oh God, it smells so bad in that suit. That's the thing. Everyone would smell this. Dude. No, I'm saying it contains it until you take it off. Like <laughs> um, that's how bad it is. Like you're literally like, hotboxing yourself. It's like goat cheese in there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, review us. Uh, not for the smell stuff. For the rest of the movie review stuff on iTunes, it helps us out a lot. And again, I want to continue our campaign. I know I forget sometimes. Please share this podcast with a friend, and if not this episode, then a different one. Because again, the we we've we've started to and over a while now. All of you are are super awesome. We love interacting with you on Twitter and email. And if awesome people, chances are you know more awesome people. So bring them into our little uh, community squad, whatever you want to call it, and uh, monster uh, squad, our own personal monster squad. I'm gonna go with Wolfman. You know why I'm gonna go with Wolfman? People are gonna be um, go- okay with the fact that I don't wear deodorant. That's what you want to be? Yeah. I'm is the Wolfman? I'm going to be the Wolfman because then like my 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 terrible habits, my terrible hygiene is like people are like, ah, it's just the Wolfman. I'd want to be Dracula. You Even though be- I know Dracula's not S tier, like I, I want, I just, I, the, you can take the boy out of the goth, but not the goth out of the boy. Yeah, goth boy. Yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfman meets goth boy <laughs> man. They have a fight. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure uh, Dracula takes him. Dracula takes Wolfman. Goth boy, man. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Bye. Whoa, I was not expecting that. (laughs) 